right, while they receive the offering, we're going to go ahead and pull out our Bibles. If you didn't bring a Bible, you're going to need a Bible, I promise. You're, you're going to want a Bible. And so if you forgot your Bible at home or you don't have a Bible, there's actually a Bible underneath the seat that you're sitting in. You can reach down and pull that out. It's a white Bible. Um, and we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1 is where we're going to be. We're starting a brand new series this morning, Colossians chapter 1, in that white Bible. It's on page 572, 572 in that white Bible. Brand new series this morning called Only Jesus. And we're going to spend the next 10 weeks in Colossians together uh, looking at this idea of only Jesus. I mean, I want that, you just put that on my tombstone, only Jesus, preferably in that font, okay? If you could use that, that'd be great. Um, if, I, if I die soon, um, just, just mark it down. I, I want my life at the end of my days to be known as everything I did was, was consumed by Christ alone. Nothing more, nothing less. The way that I love my wife was, was pushed and, and orchestrated by Christ alone, only Jesus. The way that I raised my boys, only Jesus. The way that I led Flourishing Grace Church, only Jesus. Like that's, I mean, that's the marker of a life well lived. Only Jesus. In the next 10 weeks, as we unpack Colossians, what we're going to see is a, is a letter that was written that's all about Jesus. It's about living in an only Jesus life and, and why and how we do that, right? The past seven weeks here at Flourishing Grace, um, we looked at what does it look like? What does a person look like who has a flourishing relationship with Jesus? The next 10 weeks are really going to be about, man, how do we get there? How do we have a flourishing relationship with Jesus? How, how do we live a life that's marked by Jesus alone? Where we say, man, everything else is meaningless. I don't want anything more than Jesus. I certainly don't want anything less than Jesus. I want everything that he has for my life, all of it, and only it, only Jesus. And so this morning, as we open chapter 1, we're going to go through all of chapter 1, but we're going to spend the bulk of our time in 9 through 14. But before we get to 9 through 14, we're going to look quickly at 1 through 8. And 1 through 8 is going to kind of give us a framework for the next 10 weeks, a little bit of the backstory of what's going on here in this, in this letter that's being written uh, to a church in a city called Colossae. Now, for the first few minutes, is going to be drinking from a fire hose because we're just going to crank through this in order to get to what we really want to dive into today. But to give us a little bit of backstory, we're just going to read 1 through 8 real quick together. Here we go. Reads this way. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world is bearing fruit and growing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you've learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has made known to us the love in the Spirit. All right, stop there. So a little bit of the backstory. That gives us actually, there's a lot of information in those uh, first eight verses. And there's a lot that's kind of left out at the same time. 
Um, this is a letter, and we know it's been written by Paul. Actually, Paul and Timothy, um, who they, they, they're, best, they're best of friends. They kind of they travel together. They plant churches together. They're, they're working together um, as ministers of the gospel, Paul and Timothy. Um, and they are writing this letter uh, together. Um, typically, what we, would, what we would see is Paul is probably speaking the letter, and Timothy's actually writing it. We believe that Paul is actually in prison as he's writing this letter. Um, during his first imprisonment in Rome. So Paul is in Rome, and he's writing a letter to a church in Colossae. Colossae is in Asia. It's in modern-day Turkey. I actually have a map for you. This is um, awesome. It's always a good Sunday when there's maps, okay? Um, Some of you are map geeks, and this is going to be cool. Um, Colossae is all the way over here, and Rome is all the way up over there. And Paul would have traveled this region um, a decent amount. He went on several what we call his, his missionary journeys. Um, and one of them took him to a place called Ephesus. You'll see Ephesus there on the map, just above Colossae. It's about 100 miles from Colossae. Paul spent a significant amount of time in Ephesus, planting a church there, um, preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus. These, as these people became followers of Jesus, he raised up leaders and left them there um, to, be, to form and shape and mold a church. When Paul was in Ephesus, we believe that um, a young man named Epaphras, who's mentioned here in the opening of this letter, who was um, a resident of Colossae, was in Ephesus during that time, or maybe heard about it and traveled uh, to Ephesus to meet Paul and to hear about this, becomes a follower of Jesus, becomes a planter of churches. We know that he planted the church in Colossae, and we believe that he planted other churches as well. There's a large city uh, to the north of Colossae, Laodicea. Um, there's a large city to the south, Hermopolis. Um, there's churches that were planted in those cities as well. And we think that um, for sure he was involved in the planting of those churches. Epaphras, um, this beloved brother, Paul says, who has planted these churches. Now, Paul has never, at this point in time, has never been to the church in Colossae. He doesn't know the people. He doesn't know their names. He doesn't know their faces. He's never been there. He's never experienced it. Epaphras, who has planted this church and is pastoring this church in Colossae, travels all the way to Rome because Paul can't leave. He's in prison. He travels all the way to Rome and says, here's an update on what's going on in the churches in Asia. Here's what's going on in the churches churches in, in, in Ephesus, in, in Colossae, Laodicea, Hermopolis. Here's what's going on with the churches there. And Paul writes back to these churches. And specifically here, he writes back to the church in Colossae, to the people who, to the Colossians who live in Colossae. This, this church, and when we see in these opening letters that they're marked, Paul says they're marked by three things. They're, they're marked by a faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says, man, I have not, I just thank God every time I'm just praying for you and I'm thanking God because of your faith in Jesus Christ, because of your love for one another, for the fellow saints, he says. Your love for the other saints, the the other followers of Jesus there in Colossae, the other followers of Jesus in the surrounding areas. This church would have been just like all the other New Testament churches where they're selling their possessions and they're giving the proceeds to those who have need and they're supporting those who are around them. They're supporting the other Christians and the other people who are in the church, the other followers of Jesus. They're in their town and the surrounding villages and cities. I'm thankful for your faith in Christ. I'm thankful for your love for the fellow saints. And I'm thankful, I'm thankful that your hope, that your great hope is laid up in heaven. 
They have this robust theology, this doctrine that's good and true and right. They're not clinging to the things of this world. Their hope is not here. Their hope is in heaven. And so it doesn't matter what comes their way. It doesn't matter what trials they face. Man, my hope is secure in Christ. It is eternal hope. It is a weighty hope. It's a big hope. It's a vast hope. And Paul says, man, what I hear is going on there in Colossae. Man, this is good stuff. And so I thank God for it. I thank God for what's going on. I thank God for, for the way that you're growing in Christ. You're growing in the love for each other. And I thank God for the hope that you have in heaven. I thank God for Epaphras, our beloved brother. Now, enter verse 9. Paul is going to actually tell them what he's praying for, right? You see, in Christian circles like this one, we tend to um, say things like, hey, I'll be praying for you, right? I, I've been praying for you. I know what's going on. I know things going on in your life. I've, I've been praying for you, right? Paul says, I've been praying for you, but now he's going to say, here's what I've actually literally been praying. This is my prayer for you. And it starts this way in verse 9. He says this, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, all right? That's what he says. That's my prayer. That you would be filled with the knowledge of the will of God in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That, that, that you would be filled completely, totally filled up with the knowledge, the understanding of God's will, the will of God, and in all spiritual wisdom and all spiritual understanding. Here's what's fascinating about that to me when I read it. I look at the first eight verses and I say, look, there's, here's a church. Paul says they're doing really well. They have this faith in Jesus. They have this love for one another. They have this great hope, this great sound theology. They're believing the right things. And Paul says, my prayer is that you'd be filled, filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You see, what Paul's saying is, look, there's, there's so much more. There's so much more. I, I, like, I'm thanking God for, for all that he's done, but there's, there's so much more, right? God has already done these things in your life, but there's so much more. Uh, we call this idea, the fancy word is sanctification, right? In, in, um, in the church, in, as followers of Jesus, there's two words that are really important. Justification, which happens in the, in the blink of an eye, in a second, in an instant. It, it transforms our lives. When we become followers of Jesus, when we begin a relationship with him and we get up off the throne of our life and we say, Jesus, my life is now yours. Take my life. It is, it is yours. I'm, I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need forgiveness from my sins. Right In that, in that moment, in a blink of an eye, we are justified. We are justified. In, in that moment, in that second, we are now, we have a, have a right standing before God. We are we're called just. We've been made just. But then, over time, we become sanctified. From one degree of glory to another, we are transformed into the likeness of Christ as we move through life. It's an up and down thing, but it's always moving up to become more and more and more like Christ. He is working in us and doing that through us. And what Paul is saying is, my prayer is that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding because so, there's so much more. There's so much more that Christ has yet to do in you and through you. Now, when he says the knowledge of his will, okay, this, is, this can get tricky, all right? He's not talking about the immediate will for your life. I used to work with college students, and they're obsessed with it. 
right? They're obsessed with the will of God. They're like, what's God's will for who I should date today? Mm, that's no, that's not what Paul's talking about. Who, what's God's will for where I should eat lunch this afternoon? That's not what he's talking about, okay? That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is who, who, does, who does God, what does God want you to be defined by? What is his will for you to become? As a, what does he want you to look like and be? Who does he want you to be? He wants you to be transformed, this idea of sanctification, from one degree of glory to another into the likeness of his son, Jesus. He wants you to look just like Jesus. And Paul's going to go on and unpack that. He didn't stop here. He says, this is my prayer. But he's going to say, here's why I pray this. Here's why I want you to be filled with, all, with, filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? Why do I want that? I'm going to tell you why. Here's what he says in verse 10. So as, or so that, right? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Now, anybody in the room, um, when I, as I read that, say, dude, Paul just described my life. Like, that's me. Like, that's, that's me. I, I walk in a manner worthy of him. I, 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 everything I do is fully pleasing to him. Like, literally, everything I do is fully pleasing to him. Uh, every good work um, is just produces all this fruit. Like, people want to be around me because everything I do is just awesome and it's good and it just produces more stuff. Like, is that, you're like, oh, that's me. Mm, okay, put your hand down. Um, listen, no. It, it, Paul is describing something that's, that's just amazing, this, this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful picture. He lists nine things. We, we even stopped early. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Right? This beautiful picture of something that every human being wants. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, every human being wants these things. I assure you, these nine things that Paul lists um, in, in this moment, the reason why he's praying, everybody wants. To, to walk in a manner worthy of God, to, to live a life that's fully pleasing to him, where God doesn't look on your life and say, ah, this is okay, um, and that's, that's, that's a little bit better. And, oh, man, you dropped it. No, fully pleasing. God would look at my life and say, man, I'm fully pleased with Josh. Man, I want that in my life. I want that. Bearing fruit in every good work, where everything I do, every, every time I try to do something good, right, it actually bears fruit, rather than what I typically do on my own, and I try to do something good, and I, and I drop the ball and just create a big mess, right? No, um, like a big messy glob of fruit, right? No, like real fruit, like good stuff produced in my life. Man, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to, want to try to love somebody and actually show them genuine, real love or try to serve somebody and actually let them know how, how, how much they're cared about? Who doesn't want that? Increasing in the knowledge of God, like actually knowing him, not, not knowing stuff about him, but actually knowing God. What human being doesn't want to know God? To like actually know who he is and uh, what he's like and to draw near to him and, and to know him. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious mind. That's a big one. That's a big one, right? Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to walk around strengthened with all 
power, like all power, according to his glorious mind. Who cares what happens to you tomorrow, right? You go to the work tomorrow, and the boss is like, you don't have a job anymore. You are strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. No big deal, right? The doctor calls this week, and it's cancer. I'm strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Bring it when the waves of life begin to crash upon me. It's okay. I am fully strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. What can you not handle? What can you not take? The author J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, writes this. He says, your faith will not fail while God sustains it. You are strong enough, you are not strong enough to fall away while God is resolved to hold you. And if I'm strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, what is going to come my way that's going to shake me? If every ounce of the power of God according to his glorious might is is strengthening me, what is going to shake me? There's nothing that can can move me. There's nothing that that can force me away. For all endurance, for all endurance, who doesn't want endurance in their life? Who who doesn't want to be able to to go through the things of life? Listen, it's not saying, Paul doesn't say so that bad things would never happen to you, so that you would never need the strength of God. No, he says that you, so that you would have it. Who doesn't want it? Who doesn't want to be able to endure when, when the waves of life are crashing down on you and things are just crazy at home, they're crazy at work? Who doesn't want the ability to just endure that? This is with patience. Who doesn't want more patience in their life, man? Who doesn't want that? Anybody in this room have, a, have some stress and anxiety about what's going on at work? Some stress and anxiety about what's going on in your marriage? Some stress and anxiety with your kids or your family members? Like there's just stuff going on in your health. You want some endurance in that? Some patience in that? Now, when I first read this list, when I got the patience, I was like, okay, I got a three-year-old. I'm patient, okay? He has taught me patience. I've got this one on lock. Like, if there's one thing on the list I've got, it's patience. And then he says, with joy. And I'm like, dang it, all right? Um, you, had to, you, had to, you had to add that one in there, didn't you, Paul, right? Patience with joy, right? With, with, with joy in life. Who doesn't want more joy in their life? Who doesn't want to, to experience the fullness of the joy that is in Christ? Who doesn't want that? Everything on this list is, is more and more and more and goodness and goodness and goodness. Here's what Paul's doing. He says, listen, church in Colossae, I'm pleased, I'm so thankful at what God is doing in your lives. I'm so thankful at the transformation that's taking place. You love Jesus, that you love each other, that you have this great hope in him. But there's so much more. There's so much more. There's so much more that God has for you that he has for your life, for your life. If you you are here today and you're a follower of Jesus, there is so much more. God wants you to to present you worthy before him. God wants to strengthen you in all power according to his glorious might. God wants to give you great endurance. He wants to give you great patience and he wants to give you great joy. There's so much more. There's so much more if you are here today and you're just beginning a relationship with Jesus. There is so much for you to experience in Christ. There's so much there. You have no idea. For some of you who have been here for a long time and you've been, you've been coming 
uh, to church for a long time. He said, man, Josh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I just don't know if there's more for me. I know a lot about Jesus. I've, I've read the word. I've read the Bible from beginning to end multiple times. Like, I don't know what more there is. There's so much more there. You have no idea. There's so much more. You might say, Josh, well, I, I don't know, like South Davis County, like this is it. Like Flourishing Grace is doing well, but I don't think we can do much more. There's so much more in Christ. There's so much more. It's untappable. You'll never get to the end of it. There's more joy, there's more love, there's more delight, there's more hope, there's more endurance, there's more patience, there's more righteousness. Man, Josh, I've stumbled, I've fallen so many times. There's more there. Stop, there's more. It's an unending well of goodness. Every good at work producing fruit in my life. Man, as I grow closer to him and I'm sanctified, there's so much more there. So much more. Some of you might say, Josh, I don't, I hear you, and I'm, I'm tracking, but I don't think Paul's talking about me. Yeah, Josh, I believe that there's more for you. You're the pastor, he's, and, that's, and that's great. There's more for other people in this room who love Jesus, but he's just not talking about me. Listen, Josh, you don't know my story. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my sin. You don't know my shame. You don't know my guilt. You don't know my anxiety. You don't know the, the weight of my depression. You don't know the level of my addiction. You don't know who I've, who, who I've done stuff with and what I've done. And you, just, you just don't know. You don't understand, Josh. Paul's not talking about me. I think it's great that there's more in Jesus, but it's not for me. Friends, Man, I know you don't know my story. Some of you do. Some of you know it well. But man, my life before Christ, my life before Christ was, was every bit as empty and as dark as yours. And there, there was no hope for me there. And, and here I am. Others of you in this room, you say, Josh, no, I've been coming to church for a long time. I've been a part of this thing for a long time, and, time, and, and I, 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 I've gotten to the end of it. I, I had this, this thing, and it was amazing. I had this relationship with Jesus, and it was good, but I just think, I just think that I've come to the end of that. There's, there's no more there. Friends, stop, 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 stop. You got to look at what he's already done. That's exactly what Paul does. In the, in the next verses, here's what Paul says, and this is, this is amazing. He says in, in verse um, 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. There's five things, five things that Paul lists that Jesus has already done. If you are a follower of Jesus here this morning, you have a relationship with him, he has already done these things in your life. He has qualified you. He's qualified you to share in the inheritance with the saints. He's done that. You didn't do that. This is what separates Christianity from all the other religions in the world. 
Every other faith, every other religion says, here's what you have to do in order to be qualified. You have to do these things. You have to check off these boxes. You have to give this amount. You've got to serve here. You've got to show up to these things. You've got to do these things. And then you will become worthy. No. Not in Christ. Not in Christ. He has qualified you. What did you do? Something awesome? No. He has qualified you. What did you do? Did you something, do something really cool? Something worthy? No. He has qualified you. Listen, I'm telling you, friends, I did not qualify Josh. My life before Christ was about only Josh, not only Jesus, only Josh. I was, on, I was on a train just being driven by a lion and just out of control, just, just un- unbelievably out of control, serving only me, doing only what would gratify me. I did not qualify myself to be a follower of Jesus. I didn't qualify myself to do anything. He has qualified me. He's qualified you to share in this beautiful, eternal, abundant inheritance there's more than enough, more than you could ever ask or imagine. It's there. It's for you. He has done that. He hung on the cross. He bled the ground red to wash me, white as wool, pure as snow. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has delivered. He, he didn't just qualify me. He reaches into the domain of darkness, pulls us out, and transfers us into the kingdom of his beloved son. I'm not just going to qualify you. I'm going to go get you. I'm going to wade into your sin. I'm going to wade into your brokenness. I'm going to bleed the ground red. I'm going to take all of it. I'm going to place it on myself. I'm going to die, and I'm going to put it to death. I'm going to take the punishment. I'm going to absorb the wrath. I will take it all. And I'll extend to you my righteousness. I will transfer you into the kingdom of light. Kingdom of his, of his son, whom he's well pleased. His beloved son. In whom we have been given redemption and the forgiveness of sins. I'm redeemed. Again, not because I did something amazing, not because I did something cool, but because Christ has redeemed me. I, I've been forgiven, not, not, of, not of just all my past sin, not of all the trouble that I got myself into. I'm redeemed and forgiven of everything that is yet to come because I still live in this flesh. I still live in this imperfect, under the curse, and, and I'm no, I'm no I'm going to fail. I'm no I'm going to mess up. I, I've been redeemed from that already. I've been forgiven of that already. This is what he has already done. He has qualified us. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. He has given us redemption, and he has given us forgiveness. He has already done these things by the power of the gospel on the cross. Jesus did these things. As he rose from the grave, he already did them. Here's the question. Can the God who did all those things for you and in you and through you, can he not do more? Can he not do more? Can can he not shape and mold you some more? Can the God who who has already done so much, can he not do more? You see, this is what I want you to hear, church, is that he has done so much for you, and he's done so much in you, but he's not done with you. He's done so much 
for you. He's done so much in you, but he's not done with you. Are, are you tracking with me? You say only Jesus, the, 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 the well of goodness is untappable. The author Henry Blackaby in his work, Experiencing God, if you are um, new to faith in Jesus and you want to you grow in your relationship with him, I highly recommend Experiencing God. It's an easy read and it's, it's beautiful. He writes this, he says, the truth is that God can do anything he pleases through an ordinary person who is fully dedicated to him. Man, when you say only Jesus, my life is only Jesus. My life is no more, no more, no less than Jesus. I want to fully dedicate my life to him. God's going to do whatever he wants in your life. You think he can't transform you? You think he can't give you more mercy, more goodness, and more rightness, and more fruit, and more strength? Man, you're wrong. There's so much more in Jesus. There's so much more there. And this is what Paul's saying. This is what his letter's all about. My prayer is that you would know the will of God for your life. What is that will? To give you more. To make you more. Make you more like him. Make you more like Jesus. With all spiritual wisdom and understanding that you would grow in that knowledge. You would grow in that knowledge. And as you grow in it, you would realize that the God who has done so much for you is not done with you. He's not done with you. And this is my prayer for us, for Flourishing Grace. My commitment is this. Over the next 10 weeks, and I invite you to join me in this. Over the next 10 weeks, as we unpack this letter, every day, I'm setting an alarm on my phone every single day. I'm praying for you. I'm praying this prayer for you. That you would know, that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you might know that the God who has already done so much for you is not done with you. There's so much more in Christ. Every day I'm going to pray that for you guys. And I believe that, that, this, that this series, that this, this moment, this only Jesus could be a transformational experience for your life and for mine. This, this might be the thing as we unpack this idea um, and as we grow closer to him and as we see his beauty, to change everything for you. He alone can do it. He's the only one that can. He's the only one that will. Next week alone, next week we're unpacking uh, the beginning of uh, Colossians chapter 2, and it, it is the most beautiful picture of Jesus, the most beautiful text. It's, just, it's unbelievable. And I got a friend who's coming in from Dallas. His name is J.R. Vassar. He's one of, the, one of the greatest communicators of our generation. He's going to be preaching right here at Flourishing Grace Church on one of the most beautiful texts in all of the New Testament, in all of Scripture. After next week, you're going to be like, Josh, could you just leave and maybe Jared could stay and well, it would be fine. Listen, if there, I'll be okay with that. All right? I would actually be okay with that. He is incredible. It's an incredible text. If there was ever a Sunday where I wanted to be here and I wanted to bring my friends who don't know Jesus, it would be, it would be next Sunday. I'd give it all up. I'd give it up every single Sunday. I'd just, just, just next. Because there's so much more in Jesus. And we're going to unpack who he is next week in the most beautiful way. It's going to be so amazing. If you just lean in, if you just lean in over the next 10 weeks, I promise he's not done with you. The one who has already done so much for you and so much in you is not done with you. Let me pray for us. Jesus, this morning we come before you and we just declare it is true. 
You are not done with us. You have qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. You've delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of your Son, into the kingdom of Christ. You've given us redemption, forgiveness of sins. You've done those things in my life. You've done those things in our life. We didn't deserve it. We didn't, we didn't earn it. We didn't buy it. You did that. There's so much more. There's so much more that you've yet to do in me. And so might I stop, stop trying to do everything under my own will and under my own strength, but might I be filled with the will, the knowledge of the will of God and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Would you fill me? Would you fill every person in this room? Rather than my will, rather than only Josh, would it be only Jesus? Help me release my grasp on the things of this world. Release my grasp on my, on my desire to control and to, to make things the way that I want them to be. Might my life be only about you? Praise things in your name.